The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Taking a little trip back in time to 1969 and the original Woodstock. Of course, the original traffic, the original one saw traffic, mud, rain, some bad acid. Uh, the 25th anniversary edition was a challenge, too, with bad weather. The 30th in 1999 saw incredible heat, vandalism, and arson. So it's not surprising that the 50th anniversary event coming up later this year is surrounded with challenges as well. No location, no backer, no money, and possibly no Woodstock 50th. Joining us now is music commentator Eric Elper. Hi, Eric. Oh, hold on. Hey, Eric, are you there? Oh, hold on a second. There we go. Hi. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Hello? yeah, I can hear you now. How are you? Oh, great. Perfect. So speaking of sexually transmitted diseases and acid reflux, let's talk Woodstock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything leads to the first topic today, Eric. <laughs> Everything leads to that. And what a confusion and major uncertainty for this festival that started off becoming one of the biggest festivals that North America has ever seen is starting to take a few tumble that's worrying not only investors, but potential concert goers as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not sure even where to start on this one because... It seems to me um, that maybe the best part is to go back to Woodstock, to the original. But I think to set this up, we need to realize that, you know, that first festival uh, iconic, that is a moment in history um, that is just, I think, didn't Rolling Stone magazine name it like the 19th, you know, something in music history? It was pretty huge. Um, and, And for a lot of reasons, because we saw a lot of great performances, but just everything... Everything that it kind of maybe stood for, I think, is what maybe a lot of folks remember the most. Oh, absolutely. You know, and people tend to forget that Woodstock was just supposed to be a 35,000 person attendee festival with, uh, you know, acts like Jimi Hendrix and, and The Who, among others. It quickly turned into, you know, anywhere between 500,000 and 650,000 free concert goers barging through the gates. Um, a couple of deaths, a couple of births, a lot of drugs. Um, but for many, you know, that magic of the 1960s was kind of peaked with that 1969 festival so much so that whenever people talk about big festivals they still talk about having the magic recreated as a Woodstock festival so you kind of got to go there and then realize that like there's just been a lot of bad luck and bad weather and bad mismanagement every time that they try to put it on from the riots in 1994 to the heat waves to Woodstock 50 you know, and it started off great. They announced John Fogarty and Miley Cyrus and Imagine Dragons and Robert Plant and Chance the Rapper. I mean, this could have been one of the biggest music festivals that this continent has ever seen. And it quickly, uh, it's quickly turning into a non-event. Yeah, big, huge non-event. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because part of me says, why can't we just leave well enough alone? Can't we just, you know, we, we keep trying to recreate the magic or the memories or the feeling of of something so iconic and I don't think that can ever happen. 
No, I totally agree with you. And I think that for this generation of people who would actually love to spend three days in the mud and heat, that's the, uh, those are the people who go to Bonnaroo and Coachella and who go to events more than festivals, meaning that they want to go and do other things for their Instagram's um, thread and they want to go for their stream and let people know that they're there. It's not really the music anymore. It's what other cool stuff is around. Do they have rooms to take photos in? Do they have a Ferris wheel? Do they have hundreds of food trucks? That that you're kind of competing for that. But right from the get-go, after they announced all of these artists, there was rumors in the media that not only did they not even have their permits by the New York Department of Health, but they didn't even have the, the, the proper security enough to handle the ticket sales. So they, the tickets, for, for people who may not know, they haven't even gone on sale yet, and they were supposed to go on sale um, in the first week of April. And it's just been, you know, a nightmare scenario, not only with the Woodstock organizers, which, you know, is really Michael Lang, yeah. who co-founded the original festival mm-hmm. and all the other festivals, trying to hold this thing together. So first, the city... Uh, of New York and then Woodstock came along and said you don't even have the proper security features for this because that could be multi-million dollar lawsuits in today's day and age if there's a death or a mishap Um, but their major investor um, which is a Japanese company called Desu Aegis Network just pulled out of their investment and it looks like uh, by all accounts today the media is reporting that not only did they cancel their investment but they took a 17 million dollar you know illegal or legal um, sweep of Woodstock's bank account so they may not even have the money to pay the artists in the first place yeah and you know and the other question too is you know who did the artists sign with did they sign with um, yeah Lang or did they sign with Dentsu? And then there's this talk too about that organization being the entertainment providers or, you know, for the, the Summer Olympics next year. And a lot of these acts may may have, you know, said, okay, I'll take a pass at this to go and perform at the 2020 Olympics. So it's just a big schmozzle. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you're talking about artists like the Black Keys or Robert Plant or Janelle Monet, mm-hmm. these are not only you know, some of the biggest artists in America, but they're talking about 500000 to $1 million payouts yeah. of, of like an hour or an hour and a half show. And with that comes um, in their contract that they're not allowed to play within, say, 100 miles or mm-hmm. three months around the Woodstock event. So if this event gets canceled, a lot of these major artists aren't going to be able to play another show in New York because it's just too late. They can't oh get gosh. another show. And so that's going to cause a lot of problems too because they may have their money up front and almost maybe a, a third of it or 20% of it but it's going to stop them from playing in you know the, the biggest market in North America when it comes to New York City. You know, times have changed so much, obviously, since 1969 when this, when the the original Woodstock happened, and in this in this farmer's field, uh, kind of in the in the middle of nowhere, and how things have changed now with festivals, and as you mentioned, you know, with security and and riders, and you know, all all sorts of stuff. If you're bringing some of the the biggest artists nowadays to a, to a, to a festival like this, what needs to be in place is so far and beyond, uh, you know, what was in place, you know, 50 years ago. Um, We've seen a couple of other uh, festivals. Like I think it's that what it was at the Fire Festival as well. Just mm. kind of go to hell in a handbag. Um, you know, are, are these? Do you? Th- I know those aren't the only two, and we see lo- lots of local, uh, smaller festivals go on and do do very well. But are these massive festivals? Do you think they're feasible um, in the future? 
I, I think what you're going to see is as an absolute paring down of, of major festivals in North America. England and Europe seems to do it really, really well, and they do it once a year, and they have Nebworth, and they've got the Glastonbury Festival. Yeah. And for some of these festivals, it takes, you know, they have to take a year off from the next year in order to just have the land and the ecosystem go back to normal after having 400,000 people stomp on somebody's field. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. Now, these festivals not only have to deal with the bands and the booking agents, but the producers and the insurance companies and the vendors and the performers and all the guest lists and, and the food. There's so many people that that have to do things so correctly to put on a festival. It's 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 surprising that they that they all go off without a hitch. How's that? Yeah, because no, when you have half yeah. a, you know, you have a third of a million people in one place. It's yeah. a recipe for disaster at any time. And when you have nightfall, that's yeah. when things can get sometimes a little bit bonkers. And that's what we saw back in 1994 and 1999 at Woodstock. Hey, Eric, have you been to many of these festivals? I'll be honest with you. I've, you know, a couple of the smaller ones, maybe, you know, the the Blues Festival here or the Rock Music mm-hmm. Festival. And you might get, what, I don't know, 15,000, 20,000 people out to something like that. Have you been to, like, Coachella or anything crazy like that? No. <laughs> no. No. I got offered to go to Woodstock 1999, and I was hours away from going, and I just looked at myself and said, you are an idiot if you go. Um, I've been to, you know, things like Boots and Hearts that are yep. just uh, uh, just north of Toronto. They get 25,000 people for their music festival, uh, for their country music fest. I was planning on going to see the Rolling Stones up in the same location. They were having 30,000, uh, 70,000. I went to SARS stock back yep. in the day to, to help Toronto. That had 400,000. But no, I would never... I'm too old. And you know what? I just don't care about seeing another photo on Instagram of me, you know, in, in some makeup room. I just have no interest in, in that. Um, it, but I don't knock it, though. Like, I think it's a really great, not only is it a cultural experience to be a part of, but a community spirit. And it's a great economic boon if you can have it land yeah. in the right place. You're talking about tens of millions of dollars into yeah. a city. But I think in Canada, I think Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Vancouver, Victoria, Saskatoon, those kind of places, I think they're really, really happy having 20,000 people for their local blues fest or, or local festival that's put on by Live Nation and no one else. Yeah, and um, and I think, you know, with this one, uh, Woodstock, the, the Woodstock 50th Live Nation has said, nope, don't want anything to do with it either. Yeah, that was surprising because if, if anybody's going to come in with... Um, with a huge bank account that can be accessible and bring their team of, of staffers that are experienced in all aspects of putting on a festival, it would be AEG concerts and it would be Live Nation. Mm. And both fest- and both companies said that they're not even going to go near this thing. So I don't even know if it's going to take off, but Michael Lang, the, 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 the founder and the creator of Woodstock and Woodstock 50, said the show is still going to go on. So we'll just have to wait and see how he pulls this off. Music commentator Eric Alper joining us this afternoon, you can follow him on Twitter at that Eric Alper is a great Twitter account. Uh, by the way, we're talking about uh, Woodstock '50 and the and all the challenges that are around that. But just kind of like flashing back a little bit as well. And I do have to mention Big Valley Jamboree out here, uh, just outside of uh, Edmonton, out mm-hmm. Camrose has, has been you know a super successful, um, a super successful event for many many years. I think this is the 30th something like that. But again, yeah. we're, not, we're not looking at a half a million people, right? So <laughs> it's uh, no and. and- 
and, and you're also looking at a slow burn, too, because I've got a lot of artists that play these festivals across Canada, whether it's like Bruce Coburn or Buffy St. Marie or, mm. or Leroy Stagger. And a lot of these artists, you don't get the massive headliner until maybe your second or third year because yeah. the booking agents and the promoters are a little bit afraid of like maybe not selling a lot of tickets or biting off more that they can chew in terms of payment. So all these festivals started off with a 1,000 people. 2,000 people, 5,000 yeah. people, and they grew with the festival. They didn't actually start coming into a small town and bossing everybody around saying, we're going to bring in half a million people into your small city, be prepared for it, and see you in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it'll be interesting. You know, I was, I spent some time, uh, you know, just uh, on YouTube this afternoon before I talked to you, just watching some of those old performances, you know. Yeah, it's so great, eh? Oh, from Woodstock. And, you know, you look at, you know, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix and you look at Janis Joplin and just, the, you yeah. know, the talent that was, that she had in her pinky finger that I think a lot of us, you know, wish that we could have when it comes to singing or, you know, CCR, yeah. that sort of thing, Santana. I mean, the, the, and if I remember correctly, I mean, they had trouble getting acts to sign up until CCR uh, came on board and then a whole bunch of, uh, you know, other big acts came on board back in 69, the original one. Yeah, that, 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 that's exactly, and that still happened to this day. Actually, Bob Geldof tells a great story that when he was trying to do Live Aid, even after all the success of Band-Aid and, and, and USA for Africa and trying to help them and relief around the world, Bob Geldof essentially started calling out all the bands in the press conference saying that they were going to appear, including Paul McCartney and Queen, and both those artists hadn't even signed up yet. So he kind of forced everybody's hand on that. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, back in Woodstock, you had, I mean, nobody kind of knew because rock and roll was only still like 18 years, 19 years old. So it was still in its infancy when you, when you come down to it. But you take a look at the artists from Shanana all the way down <laughs> and you realize that, wow, like all those artists are just, we still talk about them and we're still playing them and still watching them to this day, you know, and no knock against anybody that signed up for Woodstock 50 because this generation of concert goers, they're going to be the ones that make these artists classic. And whenever people scoff at like, well, we're not going to be listening to Miley Cyrus or Chant the Rapper in 20 years, it's like, yeah, you will. Because that's the generation that makes these artists yeah. legendary and, and decades-long careers. And uh, um, and it all kind of started with so many bands at Woodstock back in the day. Wow, Eric. Um, well, we'll be watching this. It'll be interesting to see what shakes down. As you said, uh, Michael Lang, the co-creator of Woodstock 69, the promoter of 94 and 99, uh, and now trying to get this 50th one going. Uh, gosh, only knows what's going to happen. But it'll be interesting <laughs> hey, to see if it happens, it I'll come by and I'll pick you up in my UP band. <laughs> you put flowers in my hair, Eric, and we'll be good to go, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Count on it. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. No problem. Thanks. Bye.